It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. Good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Austin, or you can listen online, WROLradio.com, or you can listen to a variety of other spots, uh, Stitcher and TuneIn Radio, and you can always find past programs on my podcast site, which is johnfpaul.podomatic.com, and at some point, at some point, maybe even on the WROL website, there'll be podcasts. They're starting to put some up, so you can find them there, too. Um, there was a great event down in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium this past week, and it was really like we've had Dan Strollo on from In Control Advanced Driver Training. This was sort of a one-day uh, skid school event, and it was sponsored by the Ford Fund, and it was sort of interesting. The Ford Fund does a lot of charitable donations, and... I was at a vocational school back about a, I don't know, it might have been the end of the last year. And we were talking about, you know, days off and professional development. And one of the things I said, something about having days off for professional development, they said, we don't do that anymore. We only do half days up till noontime. And I said to them, well, why do you do that? And they said, it's so important for the kids to have lunch because in this particular school, which was in a, what you would describe as a, uh, servicing a very nice cluster of five or six towns, they said we probably have 20 to 25 kids at any time that are living in shelters, and this is the only meal they get. And you think about that, you think about, you know, they're, they're working people that just don't have enough money to support what they need to do, send their kids to school and be able to buy food. And the idea that the school is staying open to provide that one good meal a day really lets you know that there are people that are hungry. And with us on the phone is an old friend of mine, Jim Vella, who is the president of the Ford Fund. And uh, Ford is doing a great charitable donation here in the New England area to help food banks and food pantries. Jim, good morning and welcome back to Boston. Hey, good morning. It's nice to uh, hear your voice again. Uh, it's uh, tell us tell us a little bit about the Ford Fund and what you're up to here in Boston. Um, I'd be glad to, and thanks for having me on this morning. So, the Ford Fund is the charitable part of Ford Motor Company. Uh, we were established back in 1949 by Henry Ford II to to kind of re- he recognized early on that although our business was building great cars and trucks, our responsibility is to give back to the community and. We're working with our dealers there throughout the New England area to uh, work with uh, 10 community food banks on just the issue you just talked about because it really is important for people to have a meal. So we are making an investment of $400,000 in a new uh, Ford Transit Connect that people will see out on the road pretty soon. Uh, that's all marked with the Ford Oval on it and uh, went to the Greater Boston Food Bank. And we're hoping to take down the number of people to reduce the number of people who have to rely on other sources, you know, for food. And it was very interesting. The food bank people told me that one in 12, uh, one in 12 or 12% of the population in New England, about one in eight people, doesn't know where one of their next three meals is coming from. So it's just the situation that you mentioned. It's exactly right. 
spot on for what we're talking about. Yeah, and it is. It's it's so important, and I think you know Ford in a lot of different ways. You know, we think about yeah, Ford builds you know great cars and trucks, but how do they help? How do they help with the community that they work in? And this is a relationship, and and you kind of brought it up. It's a relationship with Ford in the New England Ford dealers, right? Yeah, that's correct. We we are working with our uh, with our dealer uh, group there uh, throughout the New England area. So um, we we want to make sure that you know we are helping in a very impactful way. So it's not just about writing a check for us. We're going to have some opportunity to do some food drives with the dealers for our regional office people uh, who are all at the event on the Thursday to come out and volunteer uh, and get more involved so we can understand how we can make a real impact because. We, we made a commitment for five years, and what we want to do is when we come back in five years, we want that number that we just talked about, the one in eight, the 12%, we want that to go down. It's not just about getting people the food today, but about helping to impact their lives so that they have a brighter future just like all of us. Yeah, it, it is really so important. And, you know, it was funny. I didn't. I didn't realize the number was as high as it was. And like you said, the, the number of people that don't know where one of their next meals is coming from. And I was talking to a local police officer who started to do, as he was heading towards retirement, started to do some charity work. And he said, you know, I went into somebody's house and, you know, it could have been you and your wife. And we went in there and the first thing we noticed is a real lack of furniture because they had started to sell everything they own because they had just literally run out of money. They got laid off from their jobs. They both had some part-time income coming in, but not really enough to be able to do everything they need to do. And they were relying on uh, food pantries. And it's not, you know, a lot of people think, oh, food pantries, it's, you know, it's down at the soup kitchen for, you know, the, the homeless. But it's the people who are actually working and trying to, trying to sustain life. Yeah, in, in many cases, what we see is that, you know, people have to make choices about whether they're going to pay their utility bill, you know, buy food, you know, whatever, whatever the bills are, you know, make their car payment, whatever. So um, by by being able to supplement the food that's in the homes, and this is why having our, our Ford vehicles involved is very important, because one thing we've learned is that, especially in the, in the summertime, when the kids aren't in school, when young people aren't in school, that one meal they were counting on, they don't get. So we can use our, our basically our transit to become mobile food pantries, so that we can we can become the, the schoolyard uh, in the summers uh, and help to supplement uh, the programs that are already out there. In many cases, the program, the money for the programs for the foods available, there just isn't any way to either get the food to the people or the people to the food. Mm. Yeah, and I can see that happening with, uh, I do a lot of um, uh, outreach to seniors for safe driving type programs. And even at that, some senior centers I go into that provide sort of Meals on Wheels sort of thing, they cut back in the summertime because they either don't have the staff to deliver or they're relying on the local school system to supply food and they just don't have it. So they don't, they don't have, the schools are closed and they don't have the ability to get uh, that one good meal a day that one healthy meal a day to some seniors who may be unable to leave their house. So having the ability to be able to go out to the public, I think, is so critical for these food pantries and food banks. Yeah, so we can we can use the transit not only to deliver food, but also in many cases there are smaller you know grocers or restaurants who want to donate food on mm-hmm. a regular basis, but it doesn't make sense to send a huge eighteen wheeler out you know to pick up 
you know, a few a few boxes of food. So with uh, transits, many of the food banks we're already working with kind of have a milk run kind of uh, operation where, you know, on the way out they deliver and on the way back they pick up. Because there's about a, about 30% of the food actually in the system um, that might be available doesn't ever get picked up. Mm. So if we could even start to recover some of the waste within the system, uh, if you want to look at it that way, or food that goes unused otherwise, you know, that really helps the food banks too. So... We're hoping to work with our dealers, and I, I would also urge all of your uh, your listeners, uh, you know, to get involved because uh, you know many of us are very blessed with what we have, and if they can make a, uh, a contribution or volunteer or help in any way with any of the food banks and in, in any of the of the region, there, um, we we started this partnership with ten food banks, um, and we're going to continue to work with them. Many of them were there yesterday. We're going to get some more Ford Transit vans out to some of the other uh, food banks down the road. But uh, there's a great need out there, and, uh, you know, everybody can look and figure out a way to share a meal. Yeah, it, it really makes a lot of sense. And, and it you know, and for kids, it's so important that they they get that one good meal a day. It's that they get that ability to get a good night's sleep. And so they can go and they can do a good job in school to be able to pay attention to, you know, get out of whatever that situation is that, that they're in. And as the economy is starting to change, it, it really is probably time to think about, you know, how everybody can try to help. And if, you know, so what are some of the other, this is, you know, you're doing these projects uh, here in New England, but what are some of the other projects that Ford, through the Ford Fund, is involved with? If you could just rattle off a couple for our listeners just so they know what Ford is up to. Yeah, so we have three three main areas that we, uh, we focus on. Uh, one is education, obviously, because that's really the, you know, the kind of the, the, the base of our uh, you know, of our society. If mm-hmm. you have a good education, you can take care of yourself and contribute. Uh, another one is automotive safety. We had our driving skills for life program there in the uh, uh, the parking lot, one of the parking lots there in Foxborough by Gillette Stadium, mm-hmm. and uh, teaching young people how to be safe behind the wheel. Number one cause of death in America for uh, teenagers is, is traffic accidents, so we're working on that. And then the other is just the basic community needs. So we help people, um, we help shelter the homeless when, when that makes sense. We uh, distribute the food through the food pantries. Um, we have a Ford Volunteer Corps. Uh, just celebrated our 10th anniversary. Our employees around the world have donated over a million hours of their time uh, to commit to the to the uh, neighborhoods in in all kinds of ways. We're doing things like providing water in places around the world where they don't have you know access to clean potable drinking water, and uh, it, it's just a way for us to. You know, we're, we we believe that we have a responsibility to do this. This is this is not optional. But at Ford, when you have people like Bill Ford and Mark Fields leading the charge and saying this is important, it sure makes my job a lot easier. And uh, and our dealers have been terrific too. In every community I go in around the country, our dealers are giving back and have been for a long, long time. Yeah, it it and it's and I think what you know if a, if a dealer was a little hesitant, I think they're going to find out that really this is this is sort of self-rewarding at some point. Besides the idea you feel better about doing it, I think your customers look at it and go, you know, they're, they're a good company to do business with because they're supporting their community. I even remember we had a couple of callers who... Um, bought Ford products back when, back in the 07, 08 days because Ford didn't take the bailout money. 
They said, and they kind of said, you know, we really like the idea that they didn't come to the government looking for help. They tried to figure it out on their own. And I'm going to buy a Ford product just because of that. And when you think about, you know, what Ford can do as, and you, you mentioned a, a few things. Uh, it's not just money, it's manpower sometimes. And if you can get your volunteer staff of whether it's, you know, salespeople or technicians at your dealership or office folks to get out and to be able to help and be able to work within their community, I think it pays back, uh, you know, in, in innumerable ways. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very rewarding uh, for our employees. They all tell me, um, you know, how much they like doing it, how they want more opportunities. Uh, Bill Ford uh, recently just announced for um, our, our volunteer corps for our employees a 30 under 30 program where we're going to get young people involved um, and we're going to actually give them training in, in how to engage the community and how to be what it means to be, you know, a socially uh, responsible company because we want the next, he wants the next generation uh, and the next legacy of, of employees to have the same kind of uh, commitment that we have and Really, the organizations say, well, the money is nice and you always need that. When we can combine the money with the resources that our dealers bring for helping them with food drives, for instance, whether it's a peanut butter drive, a diaper and formula drive, and get the rest of the community engaged, so then we become, you know, kind of a portal or a platform Mm -hmm. to to help the nonprofits like the community food banks work through our dealerships, use our products, use our employees. Now all of a sudden you you've got you built a whole kind of infrastructure that you know takes one and one and makes it five, and and that's what I have learned has been really cool in this job is that all of our dealers, all of our employees, whether they're in China, India, uh, I'm heading to Europe next week to work with uh, some of our our employees there who are doing um, different projects in uh, in that area. You know, there I never have to ask. Whenever I get there, it's always like we want to do more, and that that's part of the Ford brand. It's part of the Ford DNA, and we believe long term our customers are not only going to like it, they're going to demand it from us that we give back to the community, and we're way ahead of the game. Mm. It's, it's it, again so important from both uh, you know helping people, but as uh, from a corporate perspective, if people want more information about the Ford Fund or or anything within the charitable lines of Ford Motor Company, where can they go on the internet to find information? So, so the two easiest ways to find us, I always tell folks, our Facebook page has the uh, really the most up to date information, and almost everybody's on Facebook, and it's just Ford in the community. I just do Ford in the community in your search, and you'll find it there. You can also, the other easy way is just to Google Ford Motor Company Fund and all of our websites for education, driving skills for life, and all those will come up. So you can pick what area you're interested in and learn a lot more about what we're doing. And the most important thing is I ask people to get involved. I mean, it's nice for us to do our piece, and we're more than than committed to continuing to do that. But really, um, it's, we're not going to do it alone. We asked other companies to join us, and they have. You know, we ask our employees and our dealers. So we have to really, it's, it's a team sport. And if communities get involved, um, that's what really, it will really get that number down on whether it's people who need help with their education, with food, you know, with home, if they're homeless, having a place to stay. Um, we're, we're really blessed in this country in many ways. And, and I think the more we can engage everybody uh, to get behind the effort, it, it will make a huge difference and, and really uh, make an impact in people's lives. And it matters. It really does matter when people contribute. 
Yeah, it really it really does. And you brought up so many good topics, whether it's the you know the driving the driving skills for uh, you know that puts together because this is uh, I think we're right on the cusp of uh, uh, Teen Safe Driver Week, so it fit nicely with that. But as we're coming into the holiday time frame, and to think about some people a little bit less fortunate, and how you can help out with that, and look and see what Ford's doing, and and, and how you can help with Ford, it's it's all a win. And I want to thank you for taking a little time out of your Saturday morning. It sounds like you have a busy week coming up, and uh, and uh, you know joining me on the radio, and I'm sure I'm sure we'll run into each other again somewhere along the way. Yep, I hope to see you, and uh, glad to hear you're doing well. And thanks again for the time this morning to, to share the story. All right, thanks, Jim. Take care. All right, take care. Yep, bye-bye. That was Jim Vella. He is the president of the Ford Fund, their Ford's uh, charitable foundation. And just, uh, Jim's been around for a long time. I met Jim when he was the, uh, he might have been the assistant manager of the PR department at Ford out of New York. And, uh, you know, quickly went to manager and then went over to Jaguar for a while when Ford was part of Jaguar or Jaguar was part of Ford, rather, and then went off to be uh, at the corporate office. And he was in he was in charge of national and international public relations for Ford and then ended up at the at this side of Ford Motor Company where he's. uh, working with Ford to help people who need their help. So just a great thing. Why don't we take a quick break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. If you would like to join us, our phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. WROL Boston. Marita here with Mike from Coastal Heating and Air Conditioning. Mike, I have to ask, do you recommend eliminating the need for oil in your home and why? Well, I'm going to speak from my personal experience. I was calling the oil man at least three times a year at a minimum of 800 a shot. So when I put the Mitsubishi in, I eliminated him completely. And if you have forced hot air oil system, we all know what it smells like when it turns on and we know the noise it makes. So if you eliminate that and put in the indoor units, you'll actually clean the air in your home. You will have no smell whatsoever and again with no noise. So it actually purifies the air. They have allergenic filters in them. So anyone that has breathing issues, they claim this will take care of it. Wow. Call Mike at Coastal today at 617-770-0636 for all of your heating and air conditioning needs. Winter doesn't need to get the best of you. Not with Sullivan Tire and Auto Service on your side. Hey, this is Paul Sullivan. The Farmer's Almanac is predicting another tough New England winter. The key to getting through is preparing. We'll help you get ready and save you money, too. 
We have stocked our warehouses so we can provide you with these great deals. Buy three, get the fourth tire free on all winter tires. And buy three and get the fourth tire free on all Yokohama all-season tires. Come in today and beat the rush. Thank you. And Sullivan Tire does more than just offer the best deals on tires. Trust our team of ASE certified professionals to keep your car running right all winter long. We do it all. Factory scheduled maintenance, winterizing, batteries, brakes, mufflers, oil changes, tune-ups, computerized wheel alignment, and so much more. Visit SullivanTire.com slash 60 years or call 877-592-TIRE. Now, let's get back to the car doctor, John Paul. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program at AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. If you would like to join us, the phone number is 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030 is how you get through and talk to us about your car. Maybe you have a car problem. Maybe you're looking to see if there's a technical service bulletin or maybe a recall that's listed. We can probably try to help you with that, too. Uh, I got a, a what I would call a fairly essential tool you might want to... You know, keep in your car. And so many people have smartphones now, and smartphones can do a lot of things. They can be flashlights. They can be cameras. And always good to have, you know, something like that with you because maybe you got in a car crash and you want to take pictures of it and you want to see what happened. Uh, maybe you want to um, be able to document something that you saw. So having a phone with a camera, it's a good idea. Um, I just went to look at something, and it was in a dark corner and i flipped my phone on for the flashlight part because i'm getting older and can't see as well in the dark anymore so you know have it having that but one of the things that happens you use your you use your uh your phone a lot and the battery goes dead and then what do you do and especially when it goes dead and you need it well i got a a product in the mail and it's from a company called secure and i hope i'm pronouncing the name right s-e-c-u-r so like secure without the e and it's secure products, and it, they're calling it an essential glove compartment companion. Well, what it is, it's an emergency flashlight, and it's also a power bank, so you can uh, use the energy in it to, to charge up your cell phone. So a lot of times people have these little rechargeable things that they carry around with them if their phone goes dead. But this is a, this is a pretty good flashlight. No, it's actually a really good flashlight. Uh, it's real bright. It has three lighting levels. It features a 220 lumen uh, flashlight, so really bright. And it also has low and medium settings. And something I didn't understand, I saw it flashed. So if you pushed the button like three times, it would start to flash. I went, oh, that's nice. It flashes so you can catch people's attention. But it actually flashes Morse code. It flashes SOS. So I didn't. I didn't realize that. It also has a uh, 
pointy end, pointy metal end. So if you were trapped in your car and you had to break the window, there's a little rubber cap you take off and you can smack it against the glass and break the window. And built into it is also a really sharp razor blade to cut a seatbelt. So if you were trapped in your car and you wanted to cut the seatbelt, you can do that. And it's all it's all about the size of uh, a traditional two-cell flashlight, maybe a little bit smaller than that. But I used it, you know, I have a little Streamlight flashlight, which is a great little flashlight with a uh, couple pen light batteries. And it's pretty bright, but this is much, much brighter. And just the idea that it um, that you can also, you take the top of it off. And you can plug the cable into it, and it will charge up your cell phone. So if you're using it kind of for two reasons, to you know change a flat tire so you can see what you're doing, then all of a sudden you, you want to call somebody and you notice your phone is dead, you plug it in and you can charge up your phone. Say, for instance, you didn't have your cigarette lighter plug for your car or USB plug, so it has a built-in USB plug. It's completely rechargeable, so you can, just like you charge up your phone, you plug this thing in and charge up your phone. It's really kind of a, a neat little thing, and it's also, it's made out of aircraft aluminum, rubber-coated, and it's uh, waterproof to six feet. So I guess if you were underwater, you could you could use it. But I like the idea more that um, if you're changing a flat tire or something in the rain, and you put it down in a puddle, it's going to keep working afterwards. So really kind of an interesting thing. So it's uh, push-button on and off, uh, it's, again, waterproof to six feet. Uh, it has a integrated battery level indicator next to the port, so you can look inside of it. You unscrew the top to actually get to that, so it keeps it all nice and waterproof. It's a 5,200 milliamp battery, and uh, so it powers the light, but also can be used to charge small electronic devices like cameras and GPSs and smartphones and all that sort of stuff. But a pretty pretty good product, Um it's Secure Products, S-E-C-U-R. And, uh, you know, if you're thinking about buying something for the holidays for somebody, it might be a good choice. Coming up next week, we have somebody who hasn't been on the program in a long time, Tom Cotter. He's written a series of books, including he wrote one about um, some rock musicians and the kind of cars they happen to collect. And uh, he was the one who who told us about Billy Joel and his incredible motorcycle collection in Manhattan that um, looks like a motorcycle dealership from the 60s and 50s, but it's really his storage area for all his motorcycles. And he did a book about road trips and barn finds, and uh, we'll be talking to him next week. So kind of interesting stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. And kind of on the same tracked as what Jim Vella was saying, the folks from Kia are also doing a safe driving event. And I think that's going to be maybe next weekend up at um, up in New Hampshire at New, New Hampshire uh, Dragway. So I think that's going to be taking place up there. And that's the folks from Kia. And we're going to try to talk to somebody uh, maybe either between now and then or something to find out more information about it. So got a lot of things going on. And you know what? It's almost 9 o'clock. We haven't had a phone call yet. Because everybody's busy doing whatever they're doing. So maybe it's a good time for trivia. So on this week in history, in 1958, what I would describe as one of the more unique vehicles from General Motors was introduced... So on 
technically 1016, in 1958, one of the most unique vehicles ever produced by General Motors was introduced. If you know what that is, give us a call at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030, and you'll get some kind of little prize, but you'll also be entered in to win a AAA membership. We've been trying to do that. Uh, once a month, so we take the the winners for four or five weeks, however many weeks there are in uh, in in the month, and we will uh, enter you in to win a AAA membership. And you actually have a pretty good shot this week because last week we got busy and never did trivia. So where you would have normally had a one in four or five, however many Saturdays there are in September, you got a little bit better shot. So you get a AAA membership to win. So on this week in 1958, one of the most unique vehicles ever produced by General Motors was introduced. What was it? If you know the answer, 617-770-3030. And again, the rules are, if you've won in the last month and a half or two months, let someone else try to win. Our phone number is 617-770-3030. That's how you get through and try to win something. Some other things going on in the news. Well, if you were going to buy a Viper, it looks like you might not be able to. Because, although the Viper started off life in 1982, it looks like it may be coming to an end. According to Automotive News, it says, High-end sports cars debuted at a curious time just as the the U.S. was emerging from a recession. The same recession led to the booming popularity of big-box discount stores like Walmart and uh, the Viper's fates have always followed those of Chrysler and became a hitch to Daimler, divorced it, filed for bankruptcy, restructured, most recently merged with Fiat. Each of those events affected Viper from the original engine that was designed by Lamborghini, which was then owned by Chrysler, to the long absence uh, following when the economy went bad. Well, two consistent things about Viper seem to be that it never sold especially well and never had a true breakout moment, according to this article from Automotive News, unlike the Corvette, for instance, it uses an example. Maybe that's been a little intentional. Maybe higher-ups always wanted the Viper to be a little hard to find, a little bit rare. But details about the Viper's imminent demise come from uh, Fiat Chrysler's newly forged agreement with the UAW. Um Plans for the Connor Avenue assembly plant in Detroit indicate that production of the hand-built Viper sports car will end in 2017 and there's no replacement schedule for the facility. Given uh, Fiat Chrysler's near-term manufacturing goals, the plant's future remains a little uncertain, though in fairness, so does the future of the Viper. This wouldn't be the first time the model has been killed off, most recently from 2010 to 2013 when the uh, CEO then... Uh, proposed a merger and uh, wouldn't be surprised to see it relaunch. So, I don't know. It may, it may not, it may not be around anymore. And I remember when the Viper first came out, it was one of those things that it was a bare bones, high performance sports car, very much like some of the cars from the fifties and early sixties, a little like the Cobra. Uh, so take a great big engine, and the first Vipers didn't have windows to speak of, uh, didn't have ABS brakes, didn't have traction control. It just had a big V10 engine and a manual transmission. And then over time, it became a little bit more refined, 
And they actually put windows in instead of side curtains. Uh, but it was a car that had limited appeal, and the people loved it, really loved it. It was a car that uh, I know somebody who bought one who was a uh, repair technician at, I think it was Farm Motors West, and he essentially took, I think, all the money he had to go buy it, and then he used to autocross it. And he was, you know, although it was a car that kind of designed for people with a little higher income, this guy really, really wanted one, and he found one, and, and it turned out to be a, a great, fun car for him. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Well, we have at least one guest for trivia. Let's see how we did. Let's talk to George. Hey, George. Hi, how are you doing this morning? Good, how are you? Good, I'll take a stab at it. Sure. Uh, you said in your new vehicle, I know it came out in that year. I'm going to guess the Chevy El Camino. You are correct. It is the Chevy El Camino. Great. And, uh, and that, was a, that was a car that, that, well, half car, half truck. You know, people argue it wasn't a good car or truck. Uh, I always liked it, though. Yeah, I about, always thought it was a good car and truck, personally, but yeah. I wish they still made them today. Well, you know, there's there's always talk because there was, you know, through the Australian Holden Company, they actually did still, up until, I think at least a year ago, have the equivalent of an El Camino. And it had a, it had a big, you know, 5-liter or 5.7-liter V8 engine in it. So you never know. And then the other thing is, uh, of all companies, Hyundai showed something that, that was sort of like a modern interpretation of, of an El Camino. So you never know. We may see, we may see something like this. And uh, I, I'm the same way. I kind of like, you know, the interior like a car, the utility like a truck. You know, as long as you're not going to try to carry around a ton and a half of weight, to me it sort of yeah. makes sense. I agree. Yeah. Tell you what, we'll put you on hold, we'll get your address down, we'll mail you out something, and we'll, rent you, we'll enter you in to win a AAA membership. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, George. Yep, bye. So, Marita will take care of George, and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. The other thing, a couple other things in the news, we, we started to talk about this last week. What happens when Volkswagen tries to fix the problems with their diesel engines in their cars. What happens to fuel economy and so forth? Well, the people at Consumer Reports did some testing and they disconnected the rear wheel sensors, so essentially put the car into sort of testing mode so it would be the same as if it was sitting on a dynamometer. So, uh, so what they found was not a lot, actually. It wasn't as... It, I don't think it's as horrendous is now again the emissions levels being what they are but it reduced the zero to 60 times by about a second and so instead of zero to 60 and i don't remember the exact uh numbers i don't have the article in front of me but the way i remember it it was about a second difference so from zero to 60 the regular tdi diesel might have gone to 60 in eight seconds now it's turned into nine seconds. Not terrible. Also, fuel economy really didn't change that much from what the sticker said. Now, I think one of the issues with fuel economy in the, in the Jettas and Golfs and Beetle TDIs is that even though the window sticker said, here's what it is, Here's here's what the num- here's what the number is. 
everybody did better than that. So it might have said you have a TDI, you'll get you'll get forty miles per gallon, and you really got forty four miles per gallon. In the case of the, I think Jetter, it said you'll get forty four, forty five. Everybody routinely got fifty. Well, what they found out was everybody's kind of going to get um, going to end up with a uh, a car that kind of gets what the window sticker numbers are. Well, I want to thank George for uh, uh, answering trivia. George is actually a Facebook friend, uh, and he's actually listening in West Hartford, Connecticut. So, thank you, George, and uh, we will uh, we will send we will send that out. Also, uh, somebody called in and said, "What was the name of that uh, flashlight product thing?" Well, it was from Secure Products, S E C U R, and it's called the Emergency Flashlight and Power Bank Five Thousand. And it features a 220 lumen max flashlight with low and medium settings emitted from a, I don't even know what this is, a white Cree LED. So whatever a Cree is, C-R-E-E. Uh, I, so I don't know. But it's a, it's a white Cree LED and, it's, uh, and it has the SOS mode and the window breaker. And, and uh, I believe you, you have to get it online. Although I haven't checked to see about retail stores. I wouldn't be surprised if some place like Batteries and Bulbs or something may have it. But why don't we talk to Richard on line one. Richard? Hello. Hello. Enjoy your program. Thank you. I've got an 05 uh, Buick LaCrosse, and I've had an ongoing problem for about a year. My uh, traction control light and ABS light come on simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh Next time I start it, they're off. Next time I start it, they go back on. Took it in. He uh, changed the, what he called the speed sensor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lasted for about two or three months, and then it started again. I took it back to him. He, uh, he said he reinstalled it, greased it, checked the fittings, stayed off for a couple more months, and then it came back on. Went back again, and he said he put a uh, voltage increase or an amp increase on it, he said maybe it wasn't getting enough voltage or amperage. I'm not sure which one. Mm. And then now it's on constantly. Well, the good thing is on it's on constantly. Yeah. So it should well, be easier to fix. He kind of told me I should uh, take it to the Buick dealer and have him do an upgrade on the uh, computer. Yeah, I don't think it's that. I think it's either a wheel sensor or a wire to the wheel sensor is broken. And I don't know why this is, but for some reason it's typically the right front. That's what he did, yeah. yeah that's what he did. Well, yeah. he might have replaced the sensor, but maybe the wire going to it is broken. And by yeah. replacing the sensor and just sort of jiggling the wire harness around, that yeah. fixed it. And it could be the connector going to the sensor is broken and just not making a good connection. But what they'll be able to do now where the light is on all the time is they'll be able to independently isolate each one of the four wheel sensors and figure out where it is. I don't think it's a matter of reprogramming the car's computer. I think there's a broken wire in there. Okay, all right, I'll take it back to him. Um, yeah, yeah, so... Do you know if there's any uh, technical bulletin on it? He told me to check that. Is there a way for me to check technical bulletin? Uh, let's see here. You said, what year was it again? 05. Okay. Um, not specific to that, it doesn't look like it. There's a few technical service bulletins about brakes in general, uh, some moaning and groaning noises from the brakes. Uh, there was actually a recall at one point for brake pedal push rod 
uh, clip that holds the brake pedal kind of connected to the master cylinder. Um, but that's really about it. So nothing to do with ABS. So okay. no no recalls no recalls or technical service bulletins to do with the ABS. So okay. but I but it is uh, fairly common that that wire harness wire harness connector or the wheel sensor is bad. Uh, and again, we went out for a couple of months. That tells me they were certainly on the right track. And it may have been just when they disconnected it, moved the harness to one side, put it back in, you know, socked it up into place. It was enough just to make a good connection for a while until it didn't again. So, again, I think with the, the idea that uh, it's on steady now, it'll be a little bit easier to find than what is on intermittently. And the good news is, if there is any good news to this, it doesn't really affect the overall braking of the car or, you know, how the car is going to perform. It's still going to, it's going to, you know, when you step on the brake, it's going to stop like a car with normal brakes and traction control. Well, the traction control is not going to work on slippery roads, but as long as you weren't driving in any way that you needed it to work, you're fine. So the vehicle is completely safe. It's just those optional parts are not working the way they should so again i think it's going to i think they're going to find it's an issue with the wiring going to that sensor should i use the majority brothers uh, technique of using uh, black tape black tape well yeah. you could you could do that i suppose uh but i think it would be good to get it fixed because it's, it's nice to have anti-lock brakes and right now at least um in massachusetts if you have a car with the anti-lock brake light on you can still get an inspection sticker with no problem. If you had your car registered in Rhode Island, for instance, they w- they actually reject it if it doesn't have an anti if the anti lock brake uh, lights aren't on. So, so uh, no, yeah. No, so I would, I would I would I would try I would I would go back to the guy who did the wheel sensor and yep. just ask him to look really carefully at the wire at the wiring harness that goes up to that wheel sensor. Again, I think he was on the right. I think he was on the right track where he replaced it and it went out for a couple months. That tells me he was he did something that caused it to get better. All right, great. Okay? Thank you. All right, take care. Bye-bye now. Bye. Speaking of the Meliazzi brothers, uh, Ray is going to be doing a chat, a Twitter chat, on uh, the Best Ride Car Talk blog. So uh, Best Ride has kind of joined forces with Car Talk and coming up, I think uh, soon is all I know that they're going to they're going to be doing this Twitter chat which is sort of like a regular chat only it uses Twitter I guess. Uh the only thing I know about doing a Twitter chat I did one once and it was a lot of work. We were doing we were doing something about school bus safety and uh, Craig Fitzgerald asked me if I could do it and um what I didn't do correctly, I guess I was supposed to act back to everybody, so I was responding directly to them, and I was just responding back on the Twitter feed, and hopefully people are following it. But I don't know. It was, it was a lot of work, and it was confusing, and I, I kind of want to try it again, and I'm, I'm a terrible typist, so it was, uh, it was, it was, a, lot, it was a lot going on. But uh, Raymond's going to do it, and uh, check either the Best Ride uh, website or car talks website and find out but it's uh entitled uh car talk chat with ray ask him anything anything so i don't know what that means but ask him anything our phone number 617-770-3030 617-770-3030 why don't we take a quick break pay some bills my name is john paul this is a car doctor program if you would like to join us it looks like we have at least two lines open for you we'll be right back
WROL Boston. Two little tablets is all it takes to get thicker, fuller hair, guaranteed. Viviscal is the number one drug-free hair growth supplement in the U.S., with one box being sold every minute globally. It's clinically proven, loved by celebrities, and recommended by doctors. And right now, a 90-day supply of Viviscal is being offered in your area risk-free, plus free shipping. Call 800-481-7987. Viviscal nourishes thinning hair from within. It makes thin hair full, full hair beautiful, and promotes the growth of thicker, fuller hair guaranteed. Indeed, Viviscal is so effective, 96% of women would recommend it to a friend. Listen to this. It's vibrant, shiny, bouncy, everything you want your hair to be. I love Viviscal because it works. It completely works. Want to try Viviscal? Every listener that calls can try it risk-free for 90 days, plus free shipping. Get thicker, fuller hair guaranteed. Call now, 800-481-7987. 800-481-7987. That's 800-481-7987. Nearly 40 million Americans are suffering with hearing loss. And right now, we're on a mission to help as many of you as possible start hearing everything more clearly again. We're giving away risk-free trials of our advanced life-changing hearing breakthrough called Listen Clear. We'll even give you free shipping and free batteries for life. But these risk-free supplies are extremely limited. So please call now. 1-800-960-9454. Listen Clear is precisely designed by top audio engineers to adjust to let you find the perfect way to hear everything, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And Listen Clear is so invisible, people may not even know you're wearing it. And it's so lightweight, you may even forget you're wearing it too. If you're one of the millions suffering with hearing loss, let us give you a 100% risk-free home trial with free shipping and free batteries for life. For free information, call now. 1-800-960-9454. That's 1-800-960-9454. 1-800-960-9454. Marita here with Mike from Coastal Heating and Air Conditioning. Mike, I have to ask, do you recommend eliminating the need for oil in your home and why? I'm going to speak from my personal experience. I was calling the oil man at least three times a year at a minimum of 800 a shot. So when I put the Mitsubishi in, I eliminated him completely. And if you have forced hot air oil system, we all know what it smells like when it turns on and we know the noise it makes. So if you eliminate that and put in the indoor units, you'll actually clean the air in your home. You will have no smell whatsoever and again with no noise. So it actually purifies the air. They have allergenic filters in them. So anyone that has breathing issues, they claim this will take care of it. Wow. Call Mike at Coastal today at 617-770-0636 for all of your heating and air conditioning needs. Listening to the Car Doctor. Welcome back to the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. And I did a little searching around for the uh, where to buy the secure light, and it's uh, it's uh, S E C U R with the what's that thing? That's that what's that flat line they put over vowels? An omelet, omulet, um, something. I don't know. Well, accents that the diagonal, whatever that one is. Yeah, yeah. Over the top. We'll have to wait until Paul. We'll have to wait till Paul Sullivan comes in. Lots, lots smarter. 
Yeah, but it's uh, so I guess that's it's probably a way to pronounce it so it comes out okay. But their website is uh, securproducts.com, so secureproducts.com, no E in there. And they have an automotive section, and there's a couple different things, and you can actually order it directly through them. It's, it's uh, from a company called, uh, the parent company is called Maverick. And it is uh, they have a variety of different products, but this one I was I was pretty impressed with this, and I I used it uh, used it up in my attic to look around for something. I, I used it in a variety of different ways, and uh, and it and it worked pretty good. And it's held a charge since I've charged it, so it's uh, holding a charge really well. It's got lithium ion batteries in it, and um, and it's a it's it's a, it's a it's a neat little thing. And I've personally never really been concerned about. It's not one of my fears in life is being trapped in a car and having to cut the seatbelt, but if you're one of those people that worry about that, Marita looks like she is. No? No? Yeah, just don't want to be, you're just, you're just not driving into a lake or ocean or something, yeah, so. But anyway, it's got the window breaker and the seatbelt cutter and the power bank and it's a, it's a nice flashlight and it's got the little uh, thing so you can charge it up off either your cell phone charger or I guess you could charge it off your computer too if you wanted to, so. Neat little thing. Let's go to Brian. Hello, Brian. Hey. Um, I got a, let's see, I got a um, 04 Dodge Dakota. It's four-wheel drive, everything. Yeah. Got an 8 in it. Yeah. V8. Um, when I start it up in the morning, my gauge light comes on. It, it says check gauges. Mm-hmm. And a couple of my gauges won't move at all. And then if I shut it off again, I start it and I wiggle the key a little bit, sometimes it will go out. But it only does it in the cool weather, like this morning. Mm. It don't do it in the summertime. I'm just wondering which stick it might be. Yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds like it's. It sounds like where it has that check gauge thing. Um, there's a variety of messages, and what that is that that comes up when it sees one of the gauges that aren't moving. So, in other words, what we'll just say as an example, the oil pressure gauge stays on zero. Right. Well, what that that check gauge thing comes on is to tell you to look down at the gauge to see what one's not working. So it mm-hmm. could be that there's a poor connection at either the um, temperature gauge, the oil pressure gauge, system voltage. So it could even be that when you first start the car up, the alternator not might not be charging for a minute, and right. it's turning the it's turning the low voltage light or battery light on or you know the other the other thing I guess is um, uh, it could be it could be related to high voltage, which I'm I'm less concerned about. And each time the um, you turn the key on, it it runs this system test to make sure everything's working the way it should. More than likely, if it's not the cluster itself, right. it's a problem with one of the sensors. So, which okay. when you first turn the key on, what? What gauge isn't moving? Is it like the oil pressure gauge? I mean, no. When I first turn the key on, they'll all move. But when I start it, it yep. that gauge, like, the light comes on, says check gauge. Yep. But is, and but, the oil pressure light, that gauge will stay on Okay. Zero. That's probably, what I'm guessing is, it's probably a bad oil pressure sensor. Okay. The sensor, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or, you know, or it really could be bad oil pressure. You know, so at this point, I think what I would want to do is, you know, have somebody either if you're a do-it-yourself guy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably cheaper just to put an oil pressure sensor and see what happens. Right. Um, if you're not, 
um, then it's a, you know, then, you know, go into a repair shop and what they'll do is they'll put a mechanical gauge on there. But, you know, the, the oil pressure sensor is probably a $20 part and it's only right. going to take you, yeah, you I know. Do, I yeah. do most of, a lot yeah. of things myself. Yeah, so for you to actually take the sensor out, screw a gauge in there and test it, unless you happen to have an oil pressure gauge and a bunch of adapters, it's probably just worth it to throw an oil pressure sensor in and see what happens. Yeah, maybe I'll try that. Yeah. yeah. Because it only seems to do it like it's like when it's cool out. In yeah. the summertime, it doesn't really do it too much. Yeah, so. yeah, and, oh, and again, right. it could. Like I said, it's either it's either a wire problem. It's a it's a broken wire or something that mm-hmm. is when it's cold. The wire's not making a good connection. So I suppose if you if you wanted to, you know, look at the look at the um, the oil pressure sensor. Look at the temp sensor. Pull right. the connectors off of them, clean them up a little bit, spray some of that uh, electronic cleaner on there, snap them back on and good and tight and see what happens, you know, tomorrow morning when it's cold. Try that. Yeah, okay. All righty. Okay. Yep, thank you. All right, take care. Okay, Bye-bye. You too. Bye. 617-770-3030. 617-770-3030. Let's talk to Chuck. Oh, Chuck. Yeah, hi, John. I have a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Don't mind at all. Um, the first one is, how would I find out if I have a computer in my car that uh, tracks my speed, my turns, and all that stuff. I hear a lot about that. Mm. But, uh, what kind of car do you have? It's a 2012 Challenger. It's, a, it's the 392, the 6.4 liter. Yep. Yeah, that, <clears throat> yeah, more than likely it does have some sort of recording device into it. Depending on what it records, though, it may only be recording up to up to a, like sixty seconds before an incident. Say, for instance, you blew up the engine. Well, it might only record what happened up until that point, where it says, "Okay, when the engine came apart, your you know you were your foot was in your foot was into it. The RPMs were at eight thousand RPM, and you were doing you know one hundred and forty miles an hour." It might do that. It doesn't. It, it doesn't have any ability. I think, and I'm, and I don't know. So I'm going to clarify it with that. It doesn't have any ability to tell anyone where you are. Okay. So how would I find out? Is there a way, or? Um. It is. Uh, it's one of those. It's one of those things that. Uh, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't know. I would have to do a little bit of research, but that's one of those things that's a little bit vague. And that's, you know, one of the things that one of the, um, and I'm not a political guy, but one of the legislative things we supported was what happens with all the data a car creates and who has access to it. And our opinion is at AAA that the consumer should have access and decide who to share it with. So yeah, I, think it, I think it's a little bit, uh, little bit unfair not knowing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Because for instance, um, Volkswagen and Audi absolutely said we don't track any information about people's cars. Now we've recently found out they lie. <laughs> so, um, so you know, do they? I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's my feeling that most vehicles have some ability to track at least n- not not two way, and uh, you know, with the exception of built in systems like OnStar and some others that can actually 
initiate some of those things, but but it's not constantly being done because there are literally hundreds of thousands of lines of code running through a car at any any you know specific time, and they just can't co- collate it all. They don't they don't know what to do with it all. So even though OnStar can unlock your car and and you know maybe even remote start it and some other things and know where your car is located and even know how fast you go, it's only when you sort of ask it to do that. Now, somewhere is there a, a computer the size of this building that is, you know, tracking all that information? I don't think there is. I don't think there's a computer big enough to be able to do that. But I, my feeling is almost every car probably has something like that in it, but they don't know what to do with it yet. Okay. Um, so maybe in the future, if you do a little research, maybe you can say it on a future program. I will. Most certainly will. Okay, my second question is, um, I saw on YouTube the other day a guy actually took apart a, uh, a six-digit odometer, you know, to read mm-hmm. 100,000 plus, and he actually reprogrammed it to reflect, you know, lower mileage. And uh, I was wondering, why can't the registry of motor vehicles flag a car when they're, you know, retitling it? Mm-hmm. Why can't they flag a car to say, "Wait, there's an anomaly here"? Why can't uh, Why can't they do that for the consumer? I don't think they're smart enough. <laughs> um, uh, and I like the registry of motor vehicles, so um, but there, there, uh, you know, there. You would think that, for instance, uh, that if you had a title, and say you bought, say I bought your car used. And it had 25,000 miles on it, and I sold it a year later to Merida with 20,000 miles on it. There would be some system at the, at the registry that would go, hey, wait, this car has 5,000 less miles on it now than when it did a year ago. What's up with that? Unfortunately, there's not. And that's where, that's where I guess it sort of relies on the consumer and the person selling the car to check off that box, true miles unknown. Yeah, it's yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. If I owed the state yeah. hundred bucks, they'd find me. They'd find me in a in a New York minute. You know, I don't know yeah. why they couldn't track these things. Yeah. No, and the other the other thing is, you would think, and and I think it's a matter of the 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 one of the big things from talking to the folks at the registry. One of the big things they really want to do is be able to really upgrade their computer systems in their cars in in their uh, in their registry systems to to your point when you go to get a state inspection same idea every time you get a state right. inspection every year they have right. to enter your mileage well right. if the miles went down or didn't move in a year maybe that's something that should come up somewhere along the line the problem is i think it would almost come up a little after the fact so i get your title i get your title i go to register it and now i'm waiting in line of you've already cashed my check and you've moved to uh you've moved to mexico with your with my money and all of a sudden they say oh by the way just so you know this car actually has less miles on it now than than when it was purchased because there's some irregularity in you know that came up during the inspection program so that to me, I mean, should be it should be an automatic yeah. in my mind. Yeah, I mean, if Carfax can do it, why can't the registry do it? Maybe, maybe they can, but I don't think. Again, I think they don't have the technology to be able to track the five million or so vehicles in Boston and however many there are in Massachusetts quite in that way. 
because I mean, one of the things they can they're they're just able to do in the last year or two. If you didn't get a state inspection sticker and your registration renewal came up, it's actually flagged that you never got a sticker. So, and it says go get your car inspected before you can get it registered. Now, if they can do that, why can't they kind of look at mileage irregularities? It's probably something that's tied up in old-timey stuff with uh, they just didn't have the ability to do it. And with mechanical speedometers, uh, you know, truly old mechanical speedometers with with um, cable drives, you know, a lot of them broke over the years and nobody really paid attention. And, you know, who knows? Who knows what the real answer is? Yeah, back then when there was a, a five-digit, that's, you know, you were always suspect. But right. Now that they have six, you say, well, all right, now I can tell if it's been... You know, it's not yep. rolled over. Yep. You know what I mean? It shows the hundred thousand plus, but uh, yeah, I, I I would think it's just a a little bit of a software yep. deal that they yep. could do. Maybe it's nope. just something they don't want to take on. Yeah, it could uh, it could be it could be. I mean, they're, they're, the registry's got a whole bunch of stuff going on, and you know, it doesn't seem like they have quite enough staff to be able to do it a lot. And and you know, maybe it's their research and development people. I wouldn't be surprised if there's something like this kind of in the future that will allow them to be able to do that. I just don't think their computer technology is there yet. And you're absolutely right. You can take a you can take a factory style scanner, go in, reprogram the computer, and w- if I had to replace the dash cluster dash cluster in your car and I got the one that was all zeros, as a technician what I'm supposed to do is put in the I'm supposed to write down the mileage of your vehicle. So when I put the new one in, I program it to exactly the same mileage that it came out of, that it came out with. Now could yeah, I, I just, could I make it a hundred miles? Sure, I could. Yeah, it's just you know, it's, it's, I'm sure that it's going on already to some of these dealers, and uh, people are just uh, you know they're just unaware of it. And I just thought that uh, yeah, with yeah. the state and all its rules and all its regulations, this should be monitoring this as well. Yeah, well, I. Th- I think they're. I think they. I think they got a lot to do, and that's probably not one of the. That's probably not one of the highlights on their on their to do project. But I meet periodically with the folks from the Department of Environmental Protection and the Registry uh, for the State Inspection Program. There's another meeting coming up in December. I'm going to kind of make a mental note of it and just ask them if there is any way they can whether they can track it, and if there isn't, how come? Yeah, well, great. I appreciate it. Okay. And, and always uh, glad to uh, listen to your program. Well, thank Thanks, you. John. All right, take care. Bye-bye now. Yes. 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Why don't we take another break? My name's John Paul. This is a Car Doctor program. If you have a question about your car, or maybe something I can answer, I don't know. We'll try. Uh, the phone number is 617-770-3030. You're listening on AM 950 WROL, The Spirit of Boston. And went to Detroit working on assembly line The first year they had me putting wheels on Cadillacs Every day I'd watch their beauties roll by And sometimes I'd hang my head and cry Cause I always wanted me one that was long and black One day I devised myself a plan That should be the envy of most any man I'd sneak it out of there in the lunchbox in my hand now, getting caught meant getting fired, but I figured I'd have it all by the time I retired. I'd have me a car worth at least a hundred grand. I'd get it one piece at a time, and it wouldn't cost me a dime. you know it's me when I come through your town. I'm going to ride around in style. I'm going to drive everybody wild, because I'll have the only one there is around. 
WROL Boston. The Great Molasses Flood of 1919, they were there. The Prue pierces the skyline, 1964, they were there. 2004, Boston baseball reigns supreme again. They were there. They were there when Starrow Drive opened in 1951. And when the first flight landed at Logan in 1923, they were there. They've been here for a hundred years of Boston, uniquely Boston, City of Boston Credit Union. Memberships open to anyone living or working in Suffolk or Norfolk counties. And when it comes to loans, when you need a loan, there's no place like City of Boston Credit Union. They are there, there for you. Home loans, vehicle, tuition, energy and personal, City of Boston Credit Union. Union 617-635-4545. City of Boston Credit Union is NMLS number 403469, equal housing lender. Visit cityofbostoncu.com for more. City of Boston Credit Union, uniquely Boston. Winter doesn't need to get the best of you. Not with Sullivan Tire and Auto Service on your side. Hey, this is Paul Sullivan. The Farmer's Almanac is predicting another tough New England winter. The key to getting through is preparing. We'll help you get ready and save you money, too. We've stocked our warehouses so we can provide you with these great deals. Buy three, get the fourth tire free on all winter tires. And buy three and get the fourth tire free on all Yokohama all-season tires. Come in today and beat the rush. Thank you. And Sullivan Tire does more than just offer the best deals on tires. Trust our team of ASE certified professionals to keep your car running right all winter long. We do it all. Factory scheduled maintenance, winterizing, batteries, brakes, mufflers, oil changes, tune-ups, computerized wheel alignment, and so much more. Visit SullivanTire.com slash 60 years or call 877-592-TIRE. Are you hiring but not sure where to find the best candidates? As a business owner, I can tell you that your company is only as good as the people you hire. I can also tell you that posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. But when you're short-staffed, there's no time to deal with the dozens of different job sites. Until now. Thanks to ZipRecruiter.com, I can post to 100-plus job sites with one single click and be instantly matched to candidates from over 4 million resumes. Just post once, and within 24 hours, watch your candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses, and you can try it right now for free. Getting the right people for your company is so important. Try ZipRecruiter and get your perfect candidate before they go to somebody else. Today, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash America. Again, ZipRecruiter.com slash America. You're listening to The Car Doctor. And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, if you would like to join us. And I'm exhausted. Whew. We had a lot going on here. Um, but we also got some news about the New Hampshire Auto Show coming up. 
It's going to be taking place uh, next week up in New Hampshire, and it's going to be it's going to be a great show. It it always is. It's put together by the New Hampshire Auto Dealers Association. It's um, you'll see over a hundred cars on display. It again put together by the New Hampshire Auto Dealers Association, and it's going to be at the New Hampshire Sportsplex in Bedford, New Hampshire. It's going to run October twenty third through the twenty fifth. And we might even have some tickets to give away, so stay tuned for that as well. So uh, uh, this should this should be uh, this should be a, this should be a big deal. So let's see what we're let's see what we got going on. But right now, let's go and talk to our buddy John in Peabody. Mister D, how are you? Good. Do you happen to watch uh, Jay Leno's Garage? On I television? you know I don't get that channel. I have oh. FiOS, and I don't get that channel. I saw it pop up the other day. Right. Yeah. Well, anyway, last week he had a, he was driving a 1971 Dodge Challenger RT. And on the bomb, there was a crawl. 1971 was worth $4,100. And I said, retail today, what do you want to guess? Well, I know depending on depending on some of those cars, I I saw one of the Meekum or, or or Barrett Jackson auctions, and I want to say one of those cars was a half a million dollar car. Close, yeah. Well, I that I, I couldn't call Jay Leno. I know, so I patiently waited. I said I wait till yeah. Saturday morning. Called yeah. John, and it's what three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Why? Why? Because. If it was one of the models that, say it was a, a 426 Hemi, three two-barrel carburetors, manual transmission with a certain rear, ax, rear axle ratio, then that is why that they probably only made 100 of them in 1971, so it becomes an exclusive car. I personally don't think they're, they're, they're nice enough cars. I don't think they're worth anything near that amount. Um, but because of exclusivity, that's what makes them. That's what makes them so special and and makes them worth the money. But they're only worth the money because somebody like Jay Leno is out there willing to pay for it. Oh, I see. Yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, it, it's you know, it's in nuts and bolts. It's worth probably forty thousand dollars. You know, but in in what somebody is willing to pay for it. You know, there's there's him and you know some other people with a lot of money, and and he readily admits he he is the president of the More Money Than Brains Club. <laughs> so, um, so because of that, he's uh, he's able to come up. You know, he's able to come up with the money to buy some of these cars, and he has. I think he has 140 cars and 160 motorcycles, and some of right. them are you know multi million dollar cars, and you know some of them are you know a, a really nice little Corvair. So you know some are worth. Six thousand dollars, and some are worth six hundred or six million. So, um, it's, it's mind-boggling, though, isn't it? It is. It is. There's there's no reason that a car that in 1971 that sold for forty four thousand dollars should be worth a hundred times that amount. But that's about what it comes down to. Okay. Very good. Explanation. Okay. All right. <laughs> so so it it'll be worth five hundred thousand when you buy it from them because you'd have to pay five hundred thousand for it. So. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, John. Okay, take care, John. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 617-770-3030 is our number. Let's talk to Paul. Hey, Paul. Good morning, John. Um, get a, a question about Cadillac SRX. I called you about the same car before. Okay. Uh, when the, uh, it blew a 300-amp uh, fuse. Uh, I bought it in July. Um, 
the engine ceased uh, um, as a result of that issue. Uh, it had um, it was forty days past the purchase date and thirty eight miles over. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, it was it was it had eighty seven thousand when I bought it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had about thousand uh, thirty miles on it when uh, the engine ceased beyond uh, when I bought it from the dealer. Mm. Anyway, I had put an aftermarket warranty on it, which turned out to be the smartest thing I've ever done, because surprisingly, they honored the uh, the warranty. Oh, good. The letter. Oh, good. Uh, and it paid almost 80% of the cost to replace the engine. Yeah. But uh, the issue now is that uh, starting yesterday, the seatbelt light won't go off. It's, uh, it seems like it's similar to your first phone call. Uh, I don't know if that's the same solution or not, but uh, the, the uh, light... Tried everything. Tried, you know, going to all the different seats, and the seatbelt light on the instrument panel stays on all the time. Any idea? Well, there's a, there's a, um, there's. A, I guess what needs to figure out is it what's causing the light to come on. Is it the passenger side or is it the driver's side? So because uh, driver side, driver's side. Um, only because, and I'll let you know, I, I carry around, because I switch cars a lot, I carry around a, a bag with a bunch of stuff in it. And if I throw that bag in the front seat of some cars, it actually thinks there's a person sitting there. And it flashes a seatbelt light and says, hey, you know, there's what's going on? There's no seatbelt on in this because the bag must weigh enough to trigger the seatbelt sensor. So chances are it's probably a sensor in the seat. Or it could be a, a, a poor ground somewhere in the system, or I guess in the worst case, it could be a bad body computer. But I would be tempted to think it's probably related to a, a wiring or ground issue off the driver's side seat. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Would, would, I, would that have to go back to a dealer, or can, uh, can ASD... Uh I mean, any, anybody can fix it, but the but the parts are only going to have to come from the dealer. So, I mean, if you're a guy who put the engine in, if you you know if you were happy with the work he did, I'd at least have him take a look at it. Yeah, I, I the, the guy who did the work on the the engine right now purrs like a kitten. Yeah. And, what? Uh, I, I tell me, tell it, me I, about the car again. What year is it? 2010 Cadillac SRX. Okay. Now, actually, when I got the car back, I put cardboard under it for the first few days. To see if it was going to lose any fluids, uh, absolutely nothing, not 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 a drop. Well, that it's that's good. Let's. I wanted to just look real quick just to see if there's anything that pops up about technical service bulletins. Um, there's a lot online about the same issue. Yeah. Um, airbag light on, passenger driver's passengers, head restraint, passenger presence system precautions. What's that? Um, the information, custom upholstery, seat heaters, other comfort enhancements. Um, no, it just says if you put seat covers on it, it may turn the light on. Nothing specific. Uh, there's a lot about the airbag light, but nothing really about the seat belt. So I guess at that point, you have to look at... Um, the seatbelt system itself, and there's a whole, you know, you can look for technical service bulletins. I mean, you can look for, um, you can look for uh, different things uh, to do with it, including, you know, the, the system not working right. But there is a whole um, 
diagnostic trouble code of information to try to find it. So there is a there is a way to be able to check it and look for codes. Um, and but nothing nothing specific other than uh, seatbelt light indicator circuit malfunction. It goes through a bunch of electrical tests, um, and it might come down to. You know, uh, if all tests are normal, replace the B88 seatbelt switch, for instance. And there's a there's a way to test the component, and you look for high resistance between the switch and, and a good ground. And if the resistance is high, then you replace the switch. So, um, like I said, I think anybody can fix it. The problem is it's going to come from, you know, the, the part itself is going to come from uh, the dealer anyway. So maybe to save a step. Uh, you might go to the dealer, but like I said, if you're happy with the guy who put the engine in, I'd go back and at least have him take a look at it. It doesn't look it it doesn't look like a terribly complicated um, a procedure to be able to test it out. So I look, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll try going back to it. It was it, the engine was done at Ideal Engine in Somerville. Oh, they, okay. They were they were very very good. They had all the dealings with the warranty company. Yep. And, um They had it turned around in about eight days. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, they're, so, they're, uh, yeah, that was that was an old that was an old tie company that was around for a long time, and in fact, I think even um, you know even, even there was some there was some mergers and some separations that went on with that company. But uh, that that was a that was a company that's been there been there for as long as I can remember. Yeah, they've been yeah. there about sixty. I, I yeah. grew up on that neighborhood. They've been oh, there okay. Years. And the yeah. guy who's running it now, his dad used to own a gas station on Highland Avenue. Oh, oh. Years ago. yeah, great. Okay. All right. Take care. Okay. Thank yep. you. Bye bye. Did we, Marita? Did we learn anything about the tickets for the auto show? No. Well, why don't we? Why don't we give some away anyway? You might get some if you want tickets. If you want VIP tickets to the New Hampshire Auto Show, it's going to take place next weekend. So Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Up in Bedford, New Hampshire. So not a bad, not a bad drive. You might even be able to see some pretty leaves on your way up there. I think there's, I think it's still leaf, leaf season in southern New Hampshire. So not a bad place to go. Why don't you take a ride? Why don't you take a ride up? And this is going to be taking place at New Hampshire Sports Complex, and it's going to become an automotive paradise. The New Hampshire Auto Dealers Association is pleased to announce plans for the third annual New Hampshire Auto Show at the New Hampshire Sportplex. That's in Bedford, New Hampshire. It's going to run October 23rd through the 25th. The New Hampshire Auto Show is sponsored by Motor Trend Shows. They're the same ones that do some of the shows. They do the Rhode Island Auto Show. I think they might do the Worcester Auto Show. But Motor Trend Shows uh, puts it together. They put a nice... They put a nice uh, show together. There's going to be over a hundred new models on going to be on display. And there's also going to be back this year luxury row. So it allows uh attendees to compare luxury vehicles. The kinds that maybe you can't maybe you can't even afford but you want to take a look at and see what you think of them. So if you want tickets to this just give us a call at 617-770-3030. Marita will take down your name address and we'll do up to four tickets per person. And we have however many the boss said we had to give away that Marita knows better than I do because it's hard to talk and read my phone at the same time. Right now we have uh, Don on line three. Don! Good morning, doctor. Good morning, sir. How are you? Who is not an intern. Don from Worcester. <laughs> hey, how are uh, you? 
Uh, very good. Thanks to you. Uh, problem that I called you on around a year ago that went away, turn on the ignition on a 98 Dodge Caravan, mm-hmm. no gas gauge. But when there's no gas gauge, the rear wiper goes on. Sometimes it squirts fluid. <laughs> now the wiper is off and the gas gauge is working, and it's like, oh, what is this? This is uh, not the greatest thing. So what do you want me to do about it? Sounds like you fixed it. Uh, I didn't do anything to it. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the granddaughter's Chevy Impala, that the the directionals didn't work, and it turned out that the dashboard was flashing with the directionals, and it was the, the, the headlight, the cruise control switch. Yep. You know, and it's like, oh, I'd never seen the dashboard flash before like that. It's like you're spaced out when yeah. problems come Yeah, no, about. that that vintage Dodge Caravan has more electrical gremlins in it than almost any car that I can remember. And it, most of it comes down to corrosion and damage to the dash cluster for some reason. And that causes everything to backfeed. There's a diode or something in there that goes bad and... Um, there's uh, there's no you know it it's uh, it's one of those things that I remember these cars doing it when they were probably five or six years old and the and the fix is that I think the dash cluster has to be replaced I think that's the way I remember it so uh, but I think if you if you pulled the dash out of there and looked under it you would probably see uh, corrosion around the back panel of the of the of the circuit board. And it may even be the body control computer is affected by all of this at the same time. So you, there's, it's one of those things, if the, if the gas gauge is working and the rear wiper isn't, I think I'd leave it alone. And, and, and Well, uh, when, I, when the problem arises, when the gas gauge isn't working, the wiper goes on and you have to push the button and to shut off the rear wiper. And then the light goes on as if it's on. Oh, yeah, it's the opposite. So, in other words, when you when the gas gauge isn't working, yeah, <laughs> the, the rear wiper goes on, yep. and then you have to turn it on to make it go off. And yep. the little amber yeah, there, light there's goes on. there's a diode in that circuit somewhere that's allowing electricity to feed in the wrong direction, which is causing all that to happen. And I want to say though, it's related in the dash panel somewhere. Mm, yeah. Okay. Because I have it apart, I am also doing the heater core, yep. and that is uh, not a great deal. It's in, and I guess there's a question I wanted to ask you. What's the difference between nitrile, phyton, I know those were the tips on a float valve um, that they used, and then there's another H-something, uh, the green O-rings. What is the difference between it's those? Just, yeah, it's just a rubber composition and what they're resistant to. Okay. Yeah. So some okay. are resistant. You know, some are some are resistant to oil. Some are resistant to antifreeze. Some are resistant to combinations of both. So, Got it. You know, because yeah. I, I pulled out the old one, which was the heavy copper one. Right. I think it was the O ring, but the new one, which is the same Spectra Premium, is made in China and it's so lightweight aluminum. You say, "Wow, this is totally the, the one like the one that was in mm. there." The original was made in France, and the other one is made in. In China, and you go, oh boy, just yeah. challenges, I guess. But so, you the- so I, I guess, the, I guess the issue is, you know, when it comes to mechanical reliability, the French don't seem to have it down either, based on my experience with 
Citroen and Peugeot. So you got yeah. It. So I and and uh, you know I, everything's made in China, unfortunately. So I I don't I don't know. So, um, but yeah, I guess I would uh, you know see what happened. Were you able to, were you able to get the heater core out uh, without taking the dash completely out? And did you have to discharge the air conditioner or weren't you? Were, no, no, no. And and all the instructions had it wrong. For ninety eight, yep. they said it was on the passenger side. You had to remove the airbag, the top of the dashboard. No such thing. <clears throat> you remove the steering column, the boot that's at the bottom of the steering column, and the pin in the brake lever. You know that holds yeah. on to the brake unit, the, the brake pedal to the brake unit. So you take the clip out, and then you just slide it right out. Yep. It was easier than any of the instructions ever said. I don't know if anybody, whether it's all data or any one of these companies, ever saw what it was like to take it out. Yeah, I mean, they're, it they're, was much they're, easier than I would have thought because it was the job from hell, and I procrastinated, and it's in now. Yeah, well, congratulations. Yeah, yeah but I would look with the dash cluster apart. Look behind the back of the dash cluster and look for any signs of like. You know, you know how uh, electrical products get that kind of white corrosion on it. Yes. Try to yes. look. For, try to look for stuff like that looks like that. And it was down Cape Cod, and it was sitting, and that's the worst thing yeah. that happened. Oh yeah. Condensation yep. breaks. Yep. Uh, it's just you need yep. a garage. It's, that's it. And, and so. a dehumidifier. And I don't. I don't know. There was an old time. There was an old timer in Chatham that I knew that used to undercoat all his vehicles with with oil. And uh, yeah, not not great for the environment, but they didn't rust well, out. Well, the Maliazzi brothers used to talk about that. On a Saturday morning, somebody came in from Russia, and he squirted an old crankcase oil yeah. underneath his car. And he says, "What are you doing?" He says, "That's what we do in Russia." Yeah, because the old yeah. crankcase oil with paraffin was Z-bot or rusty. Yeah, tones. almost, <clears throat> almost. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. You're the expert. All right, all right, uh, all right. Take care. Bye bye now. Thank you. So, how are we doing with ticket giveaways? No more. You're exhausted? You're exhausted? Is that what it is? So the so we can do one more? Oh, one more call. But no more ticket giveaways? Okay. You could turn your microphone on so people could hear you, but... Okay. All right, let's do... Uh, where we... You pick. All right, let's talk to Paul. Hello, Paul. Hi, Jerry Paul. Good morning. How Good morning. How are you? Good. I just want to give you an update. I called you last week on the... Uh, Brakes for my Mazda six. Yes, sir. And I took it back uh, to Mass Tire, and they were just great. Um, they they um, took a look at it, and I described what I felt, and it was kind of like a phantom feel. And long story. Yep. It was the pad itself was defective. Oh, okay. And it had like a little metal ridge on it that was uh, when I, we looked at the disc, it looked like uh, an old record that had been scratched. Oh, okay. All around. So, uh, and, um, the uh, uh, Kevin there said he wanted to hire me because he said, I can't believe that you detected it. It was left front wheel, mm. and it, it just it disappeared when the um, when it was wet. And I guess mm. the, the moisture kind of covered the uh, little defect in, in, the, uh, in the pad and, and the rotor. Anyway, long story, it was still under warranty, and they uh, replaced both. And uh, I'm a happy customer. So the uh, it was just really an unusual thing to have a defective uh, pad like that. But, yeah. Uh, no uh, stuff. You, you, stuff happens, and I'm glad they took care of it, and I'm glad it all worked out. Yeah, absolutely. All absolutely. right. Good take, enough. Okay. Thanks take care. For your, thanks for your help. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.
We uh, we actually do have uh, more tickets to give away to the New Hampshire Auto Show. So if you want to call and annoy Marita for the next three minutes, and then I, we can take about three more. We can take about three more calls if you want tickets to the New Hampshire Auto Show, and it's going to be taking place in Bedford, New Hampshire, next weekend. So you can go up. You can see what's left of the foliage, Bedford, Southern New Hampshire. So it's not. It'll be better foliage up there. And you can uh, you can go up there, check it out. It's the New Hampshire Auto Show. It's going to be taking place at the uh, Bedford Sportsplex. It's going to run from October 23rd to the 25th. And this is the third annual show. It's put together by Motor Trend Shows. There's going to be 100 new models there. And uh, it's one of those places, one, one ticket gets you 100 cars. So you don't get to take them home with you. I think it would be an ideal place for Paul Sullivan to go to to actually be able to figure out what kind of new car he wants. No. I'm it's sorry, what? Testing, one, two. There you testing, go, you're back. One, two, three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need to get a new car. <laughs> so you, Although, can, you know what? Whatever they did to fix it to make it pass inspection yeah. is uh, put a little bit of new life into it. My secretary calls it a death trap. So, so it's sort of like when you feel tired and they give you that shot of B twelve and you feel pretty good for a while and Geritol, Geritol, exactly, mm-hmm. same idea. So yeah. your car is running on Geritol. It is, and eventually it's not. It won't. Yeah. It will yeah. not. Yeah. So hey, thanks for the compliment you gave me earlier in the show. I thought it was really nice. Appreciated that. A lot. Which one's that? You said I was really smart. And well, okay. I came so in, what's that? What's that line called over like a U or an O? The flat. A macron. Macron. And what's it do? It, it's, it denotes a long vowel sound in most languages. So It's the, a diacritical mark. So the word S-E-C-U with the line over it, R. Secu- secure. 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 So it sounds very French. Sure. Yeah. Sure does. So it's called a what again? A, a macron. Okay. M-A-C-R-O-N. What's, what's a umlaut? Umlaut. That's German. What's that? That's two little the, the dots. Two little dots? Yeah. Okay. Umlaut. Okay. And uh, I took the, the German language a couple of years in high school. <laughs> and, uh, That's how and I just, know that. And, and just I wanted to be able the, to translate Hogan's and, Heroes for and, my dad. Yeah, and, and it was all gibberish, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they weren't saying anything. It sounded, it sounded German, but that's yeah. what some, somebody I knew from Germany said. I, I, said, well, I always wondered what did what did they say in no, Hogan's I, Heroes? And they, they said nothing two in Hogan's years Heroes. In my high school, I was yeah. trying to find yeah. out. Yeah. And the little line, the little accent? Uh, Till day. Oh, all right. That's a, that's a lot of information that... That I don't know why I have. And it's not that I'm... A, there are some things I can't figure out. Like, I don't understand electricity. I don't understand why I should buy a car because Matthew McConaughey looks cool driving it. There, there's lots of things I don't... Ford's, Ford's hoping that's really going to work. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> have you seen that? What a mess. He, he's, uh, he seems... Pretty he happy, seems happy right? Yeah, doesn't yeah. even have to talk in some. Yeah, I know. He just gets in. Uh, what do you suppose they're paying him for that? Oh, and giving him a car. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep. I don't know yeah. why I'm fixated on that, but I keep asking my wife when that comes on. Does that make you want to go buy one of those? And what's she say? No, no, no. A lot of people do though. What apparently. about Marita? Maybe it's a demographic. Thing. Yeah, the Matthew McConaughey Lincoln commercials where he gets in the car and. You know, it's kind of Does that make you want to go buy one? He says, I didn't just start driving Lincolns <laughs> because they gave me one. Right. No. Always, no. No, no I think I they're pretty comical commercials, but <laughs> I don't know if that was supposed to be funny, but I think they're Is funny. Is it supposed to be funny? I don't know. Maybe I think I'm it's missing funny. It. Uh, we had a guy we had a guy on from GM and I kinda asked him about it, but apparently he 
we got him to do a pretty good Matthew McConaughey impression. Well, that's not that <laughs> yeah. hard, Which you was, know. I love yeah. this car. And yeah. They yeah. even gave me one, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Rock your voice yeah. and be very serious yeah. and mellow. Yeah, yeah I know. a little tidbit, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting. 90 minutes, 92 <laughs> minutes have gone by. I was running out of things to say, and now I, I still have a whole bunch of stuff I never got to. You're right. And Paul Sullivan's here, so it's time for me to get out. Hey, wait, before you go, I have a shirt just like that, except it, has, it doesn't have the word navy on it. Just as old? <laughs> Just as old. <laughs> well, my sister bought me this. For, it's be- I like I love for, the color. I like it too, yeah. yeah. I love the color. Nice yeah. color. Yeah. And before we go, tomorrow, it's my wife Joanne's <laughs> birthday. Oh, so birthday if you see her somewhere, you. say happy, happy birthday, birthday, Joanne. It's her birthday Joanne. tomorrow. And it's not a milestone birthday, so she doesn't get any gifts. What are you, <laughs> you going to do? You have to go out or something. It's a it's a whole birthday week. Happy stuff birthday, Joanne. So. Yeah. Pretty soon it'll be a birthday month. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, stay tuned for the very best in Irish music with Paul Sullivan and the Irish Hit Parade coming up next.